dare great things for Christ. Christ calls us to dare great things. In the marketplace, as well as in the mission field, there has never been a time like the present for the spirit of the Catholic entrepreneur. Now is the time for men and women of great courage and great vision to engage our church and our culture. Now is the time to dare great things. And here is your host as we dare great things, Father Nathan Cromley, the president and founder of the St. John Institute. By our baptism, God calls us to be leaders of our world. But where does leadership begin? How can somebody who might customarily not be used to leading actually begin to assert themselves under God's grace in the world around them? St. Thomas Aquinas offers us some amazing insights from his Summa Theologica. Let's dive into where he talks about the movement of the will and its power to lead. Thanks, everybody, for taking this time out of your busy day to reflect together. And I love these opportunities because a lot of times people really struggle with making faith real for themselves or understanding its inner power. And I can understand that. One of the reasons why we have such a hard time, though, honestly, because coming from the perspective of a priest here, is that you don't take enough time to actually think about your faith, (laughs) okay? And so it's with all due respect, you know, but the fact is like the word of God was, is a word addressed to our intelligence. When God speaks, he expects us to listen. And that means to digest, to wrestle with what he offers us, to think things through, to compare and contrast in order to find, well, the deep, real meaning of what he's saying. And a lot of times we don't do that. I mean, to most Catholics, at most, you're going to get seven minutes out of a week uh, where you have a homily, one homily per week to explain readings that you didn't usually even read ahead of time. Alas, alas. And so then if that seven minutes of homily isn't effective for you, you end up walking away thinking that the faith doesn't have anything to offer you. I can understand, you know, where you're coming from. I, I just like to say, you know, just on behalf of all of us priests, like, like, hang on a second, you know, it's not so easy to give homilies. Like, you could try it sometime, right? See how well you do, right? It's, th- there's, there's a challenge here for the priest, especially when you think he's only got seven minutes to boil down a message that both addresses my intelligence and meets my practical needs for where I am and is relevant to my children. I mean, look at the typical crowd that a priest has to face on a Sunday. You go from ages, you know, zero to ages 90, men and women, every race, every socioeconomic condition possible, and you've got seven minutes to speak to them about the mysteries of the kingdom of God. It's just very hard to do. So, of course, like we pray that God's grace be given, but that's why moments like this, where you're actually taking the time to listen to something more substantial, will make an exponential impact on your life of faith. And so you, you've come here looking for leadership lessons. And I want to give you leadership lessons from the greatest mind, in my opinion, in, in all of Christendom, in all of the history of Christendom. And there have been some great ones. But this guy, he's the number one, if not in the top five. His name is St. Thomas Aquinas. And when Thomas Aquinas thinks, he thinks through everything. 
He has a mind that isn't afraid to breach any subject whatsoever and to approach it with the understanding of the word of God and of faith. And he, so when he applies the waters of human action, he uncovers some jewels for us with respect to what it is that makes us act well. Now here's your basic premise. All leadership is action. Therefore, if I want to lead better, I need to act better. Understanding Thomas Aquinas' teaching on human activity is therefore the key for me to understanding how he approaches leadership, which is a type of activity, okay? Now, we know that there are some aspects of leadership that are specific to it. It's the circumstances of what an organizational leader has to face are very unique. That's why I'm doing this whole course with you right now, right? And there's some situations of mothers that are very unique. There's the leadership in the home that's unique. You know, you can break leadership down into many different fields and substrata, and all of that's very good. And leadership itself will have its own ratio of an action, right? Its own nature of a type of action, right? To, be, to act as a leader. But at its base, all leadership will flow and depend upon the quality of how it ap operates as a human action. So this is where, again, like I'm taking Thomas Aquinas, who didn't speak about leadership in the Summa in an explicit faction, fashion, I mean, he references it here or there. But I want to show how the, the core of his doctrine actually influences what we're trying to accomplish to be a better leader today. And that's because every act of leadership depends for its basis upon how well we as a human person engage in the activity in front of us. Okay. And then we can apply this and we will in later courses, how Thomas would tell us this or that aspect of leadership. But if the, if the leader doesn't begin by on a firm foundation of acting well, which means really operating with all of his or her personal will and his or her personal intellect engaged in the concrete circumstances of the field of his action or her action, then no matter what else that you say, it won't matter. The foundation is here in Aquinas, right? And it's that I need to be the one in charge of my action and accept the responsibility of what I need to do as I try to navigate from point A to point B successfully. Well, that, that sense of responsibility and ownership of your action. Is, is at the heart of any action that's going to be influential in the life of anyone else. The, the quickest test to see if you're ready for leadership is to ask whether or not you're actually in charge of your own life. And there's like a little bit of a challenge for all of us, right? Because we're not used to that. We kind of, a lot of people look at religion as a way of running away from responsibility. Almost like in religion, you have this catch-all God who will no matter what love you and affirm you. And while that's very true, that he will always love you and affirm you, he will also demand of us that we do our very best in our life with the faculties and the talents and the situations that he's given us. And that means that although he affirms us at all times, he also summons us into action. And frankly, a lot of Catholics today are looking for a way to out of that responsibility. 
And that's why our culture and our society suffers so much from a want of leaders. We don't have people that are willing to step up and step into the battle, step up to the circumstances and make things happen because we're afraid. And so like the parable of the, of the rich man who gives talents to his servants, many of us feel like that one servant who gets one talent and buries it in the ground because we're afraid of what might happen to us if we actually tried. We are afra- more afraid of failing than we are of not succeeding. And this is where God actually surprises us because he's like, it's not a question of whether or not you failed. It's a question of whether or not you tried. And that trying requires that we step out into that glorious autonomy that is ours as a responsible human person and say, I'm going to own my actions. Remember when Jesus meets the apostles, he looks at them and says, who do you say that I am? Right? It's like a, a, a question that pierces them right to the heart. Or in John 6, when he says to them, will you also leave me? You know, you're totally free to go. Being a Christian is not a compulsory thing from God. It's a voluntary activity that comes from a heart full of love. Well, do you love him? I mean, if you really love him, well then, are you willing to engage your life in following him? And that means look at your relationships and your circumstances, and I'm going to ask you a hard question. What have you done with them? You know, just like at the end of our lives, when our Lord, you know, gives us our final exam of the final judgment, he already told us what the exam question is going to be. It's how did you treat the poor and the poorest of the poor in our world? Whatever you did to the least of my brethren or you did not do to the least of my brethren, you did or did not do to me, right? So not suddenly when we hear that, we're like, well, geez, I guess that means I need to actually operate in my life and do things. And I'm like, exactly. Which is why I link the act of leadership and the process of sanctification Because both of them rely on the same foundation, how I operate as a human agent, free and responsible with respect to the circumstances of my life. And that's where Aquinas shines. We're going to take a look at it. Father Nathan is producing an ongoing source of videos to form, unite, and inspire you and your family. Go to eagleeyeministries.org. That's E-A-G-L-E-E-Y-E ministries.org and subscribe to Eagle Eye Pro. Subscribe today. All right, so let's dig in together into what St. Thomas Aquinas offers us. You know, his thought is just so brilliant and so deep that it has a lot of consequences for us in the practical end of things. So I'm going to try to bridge for you the depth of his thought with the practical consequences. And I'm going to do that, like any good teacher, by beginning with the question, namely this. All leadership begins with vision, with a knowledge of where I want to go. Whence comes vision? How can I, as a person, as a dad, as a mom, as a a banker, as uh, an accountant, how, how can I better get a sense of where I need to go? In other words, a lot of people have a lot of skill. They've got a lot of ability. If they're told what to do, we can execute it against it just fine. But how do I figure out what I want to do? A lot of young people have this problem, right? You've got great education. 
you graduate from college, you have friends, you have health, but you don't really know what to do with yourselves, right? Like it, and that's a real challenge point for all of us. Like I, I have potential finally in my life, but I'm not quite sure where I'm supposed to go with it. And as a Christian today, isn't that all of our dilemma, right? We have the blessed sacrament. We have the Virgin Mary. We've got the sacrament of confession. We've got a churches that are gorgeous. We have a 2000 year history. And yet we can't figure out how to get 13 year olds to love themselves or 15 year olds to stop fighting with each other or, or how to encourage chastity before marriage in an effective way, right? We're, we're faced with these daunting issues. And when we turn around and say, well, how, what are we supposed to do? Everyone looks at each other and says, I mean, I don't know, right? Like, <laughs> isn't that just the problem, right? We, we have all the problems to solve and none of us can really figure out what we're supposed to do to get there. Well, I'd like to think that leadership, it, it begins by vision. How can I inculcate that vision and get that better in my own life? How can I be someone who comes forward with ideas instead of just criticisms or problems? Well, Aquinas offers us some amazing insight here. He talks about, and this is in the first part of the Summa, the first part of the second part of the Summa, question eight. And he talks about the will, right? And and where will comes from. And that's really what's at the heart of it, right? Because we say to ourselves, if I only knew what I was supposed to will, well, I'd be unstoppable. I mean, I, I could figure out anything and do anything, right? So how do I get will? Well, St. Thomas takes a look at this in the, in the question eight of the first part of the second part. And he says, what is the will? And he says, actually, the will is the appetite of reason. It's the appetite of your mind. So you're like, well, what does that mean, the appetite of your mind? Okay. And he says, what it means is it's a type of inclination towards something. So your mind proposes something forward towards you, all right, an idea that you have, and your will is your inclination to actually make that idea happen or to achieve union with that thing that you know. It's like you, your mind proposes the goal and your will follows upon that. I think that's very, very helpful for us because it means that the problem isn't that I have some sort of deficiency in nature, right? Like lack of creative energy, lack of drive. It's like this type of plague, you know, that I suffer from. No, that's not it. You know, you meet people and they're just like, I'm sorry, I'm just not creative, right? Like, I don't think you can, we can let ourselves off that easy. Could you imagine if our Lord told the apostles, I want you to go ye therefore to all the nations and baptize them, the name of the Father, the Holy Spirit. And they raised their hand like four of them and they said, you know what, Jesus, actually, we're not really good at that. You know, <laughs> I'm not quite sure I know how to baptize them uh, or what I'm supposed to do with them afterwards or any answer to a myriad of the other questions that could be raised, right? It's like, I'll, I, you can imagine Jesus at a meeting at your, at your workplace. Is this how it would be? You know, Jesus says, I want you, therefore, to increase sales in this and this sector. You know, and how many people would simply say, that's impossible, or that's a dumb idea, right? But that, he didn't give that option to the apostles. And I don't think he gives that option to us either, for us to say, you know what? Like, I want you to govern your family and for you to give him 15,000 reasons why you can't. 
right? It, and, and we have a million, million of those excuses. I can't govern my family because the iPhone is just so omnipresent. You have no idea. Or I can't govern my family because at school, the teachers undermine what I say. Or, you know, you could, or soccer, the omnipresent, you know, demon of all, the soccer team. It takes away all of our time from our family, right? I, I know that it's a challenge. It's an immense challenge. It's the challenge that's going to define your life. How well you govern in your family will determine how well you lead in the workplace, to be honest with you. Because the two are linked. You might be very efficient in work, but the impact that your life makes in the workplace and through the workplace will be directly determinant to the quality of person that you are. And that quality of your person is forged in the family. And so here it's like really the, the determining challenge of your life is how you choose to lead there in your family. Whether you're a parent or whether you're single as a brother or sister, how you exert the influence that God gave you there upon those who are closest to you, this is the great challenge. And I'd just like to remind you all that you're made for that challenge. You're gonna do it. You were born and given grace for that challenge. It's not for us to run away from the, God, the call of God. It's for us to embrace that call. Okay, so what do I need to do according to Aquinas? Well, he's like, what you need to do is free up that exchange between the mind and the will to allow your will to actually want what your mind proposes. This is a great moment for us because none of us have a problem with knowing things. Our problem lies more with wanting the things that we know. So if I were to challenge you to say, okay, let's think of some solutions, you'd immediately say, well, I don't, I don't know. Now, let me just push back on you for a second. You, you do know. If you were to say, what, what do you want? And you were to allow yourself to think about what Thomas calls the end goal, then you would say, well, I want, you know, 14-year-old girls to love themselves and not to hate themselves. And I want families to be united. And I want young people to be chased until they're married, right? We, we know what we want. It's just that we don't let our hearts follow after that. And Thomas teaches us that that's where the problem lies. The will, he says, has two different components, two things that can be inclined towards. The one is the end goal itself, and the second is the way to get to that end goal. You see, these two things are two different things, two different operations. On the one hand, I, I'm in love with the goal and I can let my heart be in love with the goal. And in the other, I'm in love with the plan to get me to the goal. But if I allow the first to be exercised freely in me, if I allowed myself to dream, to, to let my heart reach beyond what I think is possible or what I think is impossible, and actually get to what, what the wildly impossible goal could be, well, then I can then free myself up for that second act of then looking for the way. But what happens in many of our lives is that we don't allow that freedom to dream to come first. We close down our heart because we only focus in on what we think is possible or what we think is impossible. And we forget that the heart was not made just for what was possible. The heart is made to expand our notions of possible by the force of its inclination, the force of its attraction. 
The saints are those who are willing to dare the impossible because their hearts move them beyond any of our wildest dreams. And, and that type of daring leadership, well, that's what the gr grace of Christ calls for from us today. Father Nathan has founded the St. John Institute, the MBA program that develops students into the leaders of tomorrow by giving them a missionary's heart and an entrepreneur's mind. Visit our website at stjohninstitute.org. Dare great things for Christ. So again, you know, looking at the Summa of St. Thomas Aquinas in the first part of the second part in question eight and nine, that distinction that's really fundamental is between this, the love that you have for the end goal as distinct from the love that you have for the things, the plan to get to that end goal, right? And, and the idea here for Aquinas, I think, the, the, the consequence that you could say from this is that a good leader is one whose mind reaches both the end to achieve and the concrete circumstances that they live in. There's a twofold function that we need to develop in ourselves. I think that our culture today is unfortunately emphasizes fear and dire consequences a little bit too much. <laughs> Obviously, it's important, right, to, to be able to, to assess risk and to be able to avoid what could be painful and wrong and, do, you know, to realize at all times how you could fall. But the, that's, and that's, the, that's the intelligence that's looking at the concrete circumstances of things. But let's always remember that the leader doesn't have the option of not acting. Okay, if maybe in your workplace, you can carry that through and say, I don't have to act. We don't, you know, my job is to put the brakes on everything. But if you put the brakes on everything in business, you're going to go out of business, right? The, the goal of business is to move and to operate and to act. And the leader who's supposed to operate in that field, we are called a CEO for a reason. Chief executive officer, execute, execute, move, act. And that means it does, we, we don't have that option to be able to say that we can afford to fail. Failure is not an option, right? Our job is to succeed and to push ourselves through and our businesses and our people through whatever circumstances happen to us. And I'd like to say this, the same thing, of course, with our family. I think one of the biggest problems we have today is that parents don't, haven't taken seriously enough the fact that they need to be creating a culture. It is not an option. Every spot of your family where you don't create a culture, you allow someone else to create the culture for you. And if it's not you who's rearing your children, someone else will be rearing your children for you. And it'll be from their phones, it'll be from their soccer teams, it'll be from whatever you've let your guard down. So like leadership is just consequential upon responsibility. And the Lord summons us into that responsibility, so he summons us into that leadership. He gave you a spouse. He gave you a job. He gave you a place in a family. And all of that he's given to you as he would give a talent to one of his servants in order to make it fruitful and to multiply it for his glory. Right? So therefore, I need to therefore ask, okay, Lord, what do I need to do? Not just where can I fail? And when I do that, well, now my glorious intellect which is so good at looking at every spot where I could possibly fail can actually be turned to my advantage. And instead of just pointing out where all the danger lies, 
it can also start to point out where possibility lies. We're actually through this or that maneuver or move or risk or action, I can actually come to success. Now, wouldn't that be a refreshing thought? <laughs> that maybe the mind is not just made to point out danger, but it's actually made to point out pathways to success. And that, of course, implies being able to be aware of danger, but it goes beyond it. It says that, and yet, thanks to these dangers, we now know how we can be successful. Well, that requires, according to Aquinas, that you maintain inside of yourself this constant duality of distinguishing the end goal and your knowledge and love for the end goal from your plan of how you're going to get to that end goal and your knowledge and love of it. When I distinguish them, the very first thing that enables me to do is to set the first free. And my friends, it's an essential aspect of leadership to allow yourselves to dream. The one who dreams will never dare. Right? To, to dare, I need to inculcate my capacity to dream. And what I mean by dream is not creating strange ideas. It means willingly focusing on what I really want out of my life. Willingly focusing on where I would like to be without necessarily taking into account all of the limitations. I know that you have to take those into account, but that's a second step. Because if I say, I've got a goal, I've got a dream, I've got a vision for where I can go and where we need to go, well, then I'm going to go back and look at the concrete circumstances of my life, my family, my relationships, my resources, my health. But I'm going to look at them from the perspective of a victor. In other words, I'm going to say, now I can know the plan and I can love the plan because I actually see and, and love where the plan is going. And then I have this dual focus that's almost like a, a tension in the heart of every leader that, that we have to learn how to balance. And it's between that noble aspiration and the concrete realities of my life. But the first is the noble aspiration. The first operation of the will is to love the end goal. The first operation of the mind is to seek to know the thing itself. And in the same way, therefore, that frees up the other operation of my will, which is to find the way in the concrete circumstances to engage in my, my life. But I will engage because I'm in love. The saints exemplify this. Jesus exemplifies this. This is the way of the Christian. Our eyes are on heaven, the impossible goal. And because of our love for heaven, we actually make peace here on earth. What a perspective, what a glorious journey. Dare great things for Christ. Share your feedback with Father Nathan. Send us an email at info at stjohninstitute.org. That's info at stjohninstitute.org. And don't forget to subscribe to premium video content to form, unite, and inspire you at Eagle Eye Pro on our website, eagleeyeministries.org. That's eagleeyeministries.org.